0: Welcome to Peace Meal, a podcast hosted by The Emily Program and Veritas Collaborative. Peace Meal covers topics related to eating disorders, body image, and how society may influence our thinking. Please use your discretion when listening and speak with a therapist as needed. I'm your host, Jillian Lampert. We have a fantastic guest today that I'm so excited for you to meet. Aronson Cagulleri, I had to practice her last name, is here today to share her family's journey in navigating her daughter's eating disorder. Aronson is a wife, a supermom, an entrepreneur, community advocate. She studied psychology at the University of Central Florida, which led to a successful career in marketing and management at her family's pizzerias and her husband's car dealerships. Today, Aronson's greatest role is as a supportive wife and mom to twin daughters, now college aged. One of Aronson's daughters had anorexia in her teenage years, which we'll hear more about today. This experience taught the whole family about the importance of community support. Aronson is committed to sharing her experience and knowledge to help other families. We're so happy you're here, Aronson. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. That was a great introduction. I'm kind of interested in who that person is. Wow. (laughs) Well,
0: well, let's talk to
1: her. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for her. No,
0: thank you, Jillian. I appreciate it. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let's start, let's start kind of going back in time to some of the harder things. Let's go back to the time when your daughter first started to struggle. How familiar were you with eating disorders at that point? And what made you think something might be going on with her relationship with food? So,
1: you know, being a child of the I know I look much younger, but it's radio, 80s and 90s, growing up that eating disorders affected those, you know, middle class, upper class girls, um, you know controlling mothers and, you know, just the, well, if, if you'd leave her alone, she wouldn't have this. So my ideas and my foundations of eating disorders were something that was created through a, a relationship between mother and daughter and a relationship that I kind of had always strived to not have with my own children. So when when some things started changing behaviorally with my daughter, it, it's not what we want, but especially middle school as as these girls' bodies are changing. And, and let me let me rephrase that, as these kiddos' bodies are changing. There are expectations and social media and everybody is developing at different times. And my daughter kind of had said, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not happy. I wanna make some changes. And we didn't know better and we said, Cool, great. You know, you you read about diets and you read about workouts and all of this and 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 it's great until it's not. So um we reached a point where whatever she was doing just got out of hand um and, and completely changed who she was, what her personality was. So i had noticed that there were some just insane in and intense fears around certain foods and you know well i'm i'm not going to eat these foods and i'm not going to eat this and okay well as long as you're eating this and and then personality shifts and um she's she stopped having a period and i was like okay wait a minute like this 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 is no longer you know i, I want to lose 5 pounds kind of a thing and i sat I was with her and and she would just be clingy and panicky and wouldn't leave my side in the kitchen. And she was crying on my shoulder one day, and I, I was smelling her breath. And it was this that this sweet, sour, like, okay, something, something's wrong. So um, doing what we do in today's day and age, I went to the internet and started typing in, you know, what am I dealing with? And and it kept popping up with anorexia. And I was like, no, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of mother. So it, what else could it be? So the more I researched, the more I was like, okay, this is out of my realm. So went to, went to our pediatrician who we had been with since she was a baby and went in and I, I explained some concerns and they looked at her weight change from the last time she had been there to the time that we were currently there. And instead of looking at her growth chart as where she was within herself, they went to a BMI chart and they said, she's, she's fine. She's right where she needs to be. And I said, but she's, she's missing a period. I I smell, I think this ketosis in her, in her breath, they tested, they said, well, there's a little bit, but it's fine. She just needs to eat more bread, come back in a month. And that was the moment that kind of my, my mama bear came out i was like this is this is wrong like this i i don't know what it is but this is wrong and i kind of said to my husband i think something's off and he's like i'm sure she's fine you know, i mean we just we didn't know what we didn't know so fast forward about a month and i am with a friend of mine whose husband actually worked in healthcare and was working with veritas at the time getting nursing staff in and she said, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying based on where my husband is and what he's been doing with this company. It really sounds like an eating disorder. And I said, yeah, I, I, I think it does too. So again, I go back and I start researching eating disorder options in my, in my city of Jacksonville and find a therapist who, you know, had written a book. So of course that's gotta be the direction make that appointment and at this point i still really have no idea what i'm in for i have no idea what's going on i nobody will tell me what's wrong um the pediatrician still i had called and said look i think i think there's an eating disorder is there somebody else i can talk to and they said you know everybody's trained in this and if that's what the doctor said then it's probably fine and and it was just really that that gut feel, you know, your kid and, and something wasn't right. I needed, I needed more. So we just basically went to this therapist and, and didn't know what we didn't know. And basically said, okay, so what, you know, three, four months, like we, we just take care of this. We, she's like, well, no, it's probably a bit more than that. And it's not the money. I mean, the money is, is obviously a factor, but she didn't take insurance and, was like, well, you need to meet with me a couple times a week and the nutritionist a couple times a week, but it was it was really this. Here's what we think is the problem. Can't really tell you what we're gonna do. You guys sit in the you know sit in the waiting area. We've got this. Um, so that was kind of our four month foray into something's not right. And even at that point, we really had no idea what to do and where to go. And, and it was just that basically that gut feel later on, I, I would hear stories of people not knowing that their kiddo was sick for three or four years. And, and, you know, that, that's like, how do you, how do you not know? And then knowing what I know, it's a hard thing to kind of say, okay, I think we have this major challenge. So what do we do without the resource knowledge to be able to do anything?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and given, I mean, your story illustrates so beautifully how much we've, we have learned and how much more we have to go. But the the concept that you had, which makes sense, right? Like that was the popular understanding of eating disorders years ago for you to be confused and also for your healthcare providers at the time to be like, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. That's a lot of people's experience, unfortunately, feeling like, oh, it must be somehow the parent's fault, but also not a big deal at the same time which is ridiculous on so many levels <laughs> and we know now you know there's so much more understanding now these are genetic related illnesses these are brain based illnesses these are biological based illnesses that have environmental influences that once you know that it makes all of our previous understanding sort of seem like really we believed that i mean i i get why we believed it because it was the information we had at the time but boy were we wrong It turns out, you know, so I can, I can see that sort of, you know, wrestling match that parents go through of like, but I really think something's wrong because you're right. As parents, we know our kids best and we know when something's not right. Even if other people are like, no, it's fine. No, no. It's not fine. Well, and it's also not
1: something that, you know, with our friend groups, we talk about. Right. You know, we, if our kiddos coughing, we're like, Hey, or our child's not doing well in a sport you know, who's your, who's your coach for this. And, but when it comes to things that maybe don't have our children be these, you know, check boxes, we tend to, and then, and then what I also have found is even if you do say, Hey, I'm worried about this. A lot of times other parents like, oh wait a minute. I don't want to catch it. Right. You know, like I I don't, I don't know, but it must be something, you know, well, we're not going to hang out with them. So I tease my family. I'm like, yeah, but we used to smoke in the eighties and you know, now in 2023, you wouldn't even consider it because you know better. So, I mean, I even feel like for us, the, the past five years, the research has even changed dramatically. So, you know, and there's obnoxious people like my friends and I who are like, Oh no, pediatricians, you're gonna, you're gonna understand. But no, it was, it was really a, a very lonely trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, and you go to an OBGYN because your daughter's not having a period and, oh, well maybe this is going on. And, you know, you go for an EKG and they say, wow, she's got a really efficient heartbeat. Uh, no, 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 she doesn't. So the lack of medical understanding kind of makes you wonder, you know, am I, am I missing something or am I overreacting? And you see your kiddo change and that personality and it's more than just being a teenager so um yeah. it's it's really that gut feel and that something's i need i need more than what people are offering me
0: absolutely well tell us how tell us how your family was involved in your daughter's treatment you know what was what was was or wasn't helpful about those components of care you know i kind of have to imagine sitting in the waiting room and being kind of told us to wait out there might not have been one of the helpful things but tell us what was helpful and what wasn't
1: so with with the the first therapist it was um well you and your husband are very driven okay so that's part of the problem okay and and i don't know if it was fortunate or not or mother nature knew better but having twin daughters that were not identical or are not identical but having twin daughters I almost was able to be like, okay, well, if that's true, then both of my girls are here. So I thank her all the time. I'm like, thank you for kind of keeping me sane. So what ended up, I don't know, the world aligns the way that it's supposed to. I, one of my dear friends, um, I was, you know, obviously I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do with this. This is just, I'm not getting anywhere. And she said, you know, I have another friend and her daughter has gone through something very similar. And I'm like, give her to me, please. Like, can I, can I, yes, I need her. So she sat down with me and had one of these unbelievably just life-changing breakfasts where she basically was like, look, this is what you're dealing with. This is who you need to see in town. No, they don't advertise. Trust me, they have enough business. They don't need to. You're not going to find this person online here's what you're in for. And became probably my, my life raft. I mean, just an amazing resource of here's the name of the therapist. Here's the name of the nutritionist. Here's the name of the pediatrician. These are, this is my team. Try them. So we, we jumped over as quickly as we could and found a team that took our whole family into, into an understanding, you know, that the concept that our daughter could recover and at the same time, recovery in a supportive understanding environment was going to actually help so much more. So for us as a family, I I started reading everything. I mean, any any book I could get hold of, you know, basically to the therapist, what do I, I know I don't know a lot. So how can I, how can I learn? And she was great because she also said, there are going to be books you read that are going to make it seem so simple. And so, you know, you pray and you feed them and you're great. Yeah, no. So it really just read what you can ask the questions. And this was still kind of the, the time frame that from a treatment point of view, you try it at home. You try it with a support team locally and, and see what you can do and, We did that. We did that for, um, my daughter was diagnosed the summer before freshman year of high school. So all of high school, you know, we were, we were there, we were plating, we were modsley approach. We were trying to trust and verify. We were, you know, doing two time a week therapy, two time a week nutrition, once a week, uh, pediatrician, and just kind of feeling like, okay, we're surviving but never actually thriving. And it became really kind of that for the family that everybody was on eggshells. Everybody was afraid to order this or eat that or remove that it just, and the relationship between my daughter and her sister became tricky. You know, it wasn't her job to manage and, and almost police. She needed to be neutral and her sister And my husband and I, I think he was still like, okay, maybe you're making a bigger deal out of this than it is. And I'm going, oh my gosh, it's not fixed. So, you know, from a family point of view, it was everybody's all over the place because you also have nobody else to, to go to. The recommendation about a year after I had first heard about Veritas was made that, hey, maybe we need, maybe we need a higher level of care. Um, You know, we are doing the best that we are capable of, but it's just not, it's not giving us what she deserves. So I actually jumped in the car and jumped on a plane and went and looked at a couple treatment spaces. Obviously you want close to home. So it's convenient. That isn't a good reason to pick a place or not pick a place Uh, you go online and you, hear what other people say and it's much like any other review there's going to be people that love it there's going to be people that hate it and there's people that don't say anything so when we chose veritas i went there and and i remember sitting down and saying you know look we probably don't need you cuz we're still doing this on our own but if we do need you you seem like a good choice um i i liked i liked how Organized. I liked how clean I liked how it, I didn't feel judged for being there. I felt like, hey, we are, we are in this together. And from a family point of view, the family sessions, the family meetings, the ability for our family to be supportive of my daughter. While when all of us lost our minds, there were, there were people coming in and saying, okay, let's process this. So I really feel for our family that having the support that yes, you can lose your mind and it's okay. And we're here to help each of you understand where the other's coming from and how to then cohesively support each other.
0: Yeah. That's a beautiful illustration of the a, a number of things. One, the sort of commitment it required from you to continue to pursue a better option that you knew that your daughter needed, and that that was not really super clear. That that's, I think, a, a piece that that a lot of folks are working on in the in the world of eating disorders to try to make that path a little clearer, to make information more available, to make uh, you know treatment more accessible, to really inform folks that you know it's so it's okay if the first thing you try doesn't work because there are more things but let's not get stuck in the first thing and just keep trying the same thing that's not working very well i think that's something our field is has uh, perhaps done and and the literature's you know pretty clear that if if you're going to try something and it doesn't work in the first couple months probably need something else which we would probably think about for anything else right but for some yeah. reason, we we've sort of be like, oh, just keep keep going, keep trying. It's it's almost like taking the the persistence gene that we know <laughs> at risk for the illness and like you know running with it. How do we how do we frame, reframe that? So so you found Veritas and you were able to have a, another avenue of care and support. How uh, tell us a little bit about like applying the knowledge that you got. What kind of strategies did you find most helpful in helping support? Your daughter, once she was sort of outside the treatment environment.
1: So, and I, I I would like to share that it was her idea. Like we we knew we needed higher care and it was her idea. She was like, I need to go. And we kind of realized as a family that if it was our idea, I don't know, teenagers are weird. They don't tend to like to do what you tell them to do. It's amazing. So when she was like, I need to go, that's when... We kind of knew okay we are at we are at a good place so we were very fortunate to be able to go up on weekends go up for visitation have have the ability to sit and actually learn what veritas was capable of teaching us as 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 far as our understanding of what the eating disorder is how it feels how it's processing you know she is I think one of the the biggest things that they also were very good at is allowing us and helping us separate our daughter and the eating disorder, which it's in all the books and you read it and you're like, yeah, yeah. But really being able to say, my daughter, I love you. This is not this has nothing to do with my love for you. This has to do with me fighting this thing that you are not capable by yourself of fighting. And it's not because you're not able to, it, it, it's impossible. You, you know, I always hated the, well, if your child had cancer, you know, I'm like, but my child doesn't have cancer, but it makes sense. And I would even scale it back to, if your child needs braces, I'm not putting the braces on for my child. I'm going to get the people to help me do that. So Veritas really they gave us those, those phrases. They gave us the safety of being able after a meal to go then meal process, say, okay, kiddo, what worked well? What did mom and or dad or sibling or whomever? What did they do? What did they do well? And parent or caregiver, what, what challenges did you see? So really being able to, instead of getting into that, that fight and that attack, well, you didn't do this and you didn't, what did we do well? And and in the future, how can we modify this to be beneficial for everybody, you know, for for each person and understand that because it worked today, doesn't mean it'll work tomorrow, but at least we can have that communication and that, you know, hey, I need, I can't meal process right now. I I need five minutes away from you perfect and in learning learning our cbt skills i mean I, I think i think every parent needs to take parenting classes and cbt classes it helps you in every relationship i mean i know this sounds so silly but changing from the word but to the word and i understand that you do not want to complete that exchange and i need you to pick up your fork it it, it was no longer a negotiation it wasn't a well, she's going to be mad at me again. I love my kiddo. That's not who I'm interacting with right now. So the, from the family support was really just, here's how to teach you how to communicate with your child to see how they need to be supported. And it, it changed from kiddo to kiddo. You'd, you'd watch meals happening and, you know, one child is like, keep talking to me. Don't let me think about what I'm doing. And other child's like, don't even look at me. So it's, it's <laughs> how can you meet yours where they are and understand that at the end of the day, you're on the same team while still navigating the fact that they're a teenager? I'm not sure my family did it the best, but we did it the best we could at the time with the knowledge that we had. And I think still, we're still learning, you know, um, right. because- we, we, you know, we still within our family say, how can I support you in a way that you feel supported? But I, I, I loved having the other families to be able to say, okay, it's not just me. It's not because of something I did or didn't do. While we were actually, while we were there, this pivotal moment for me, there was a family and one of them was a pediatrician and one of them was a therapist and their child was at Veritas. And I kind of was like, okay, wait a minute. Like if, if this is, if this is happening with all of this knowledge, I'm forgiven. So, and I mean, for our family, a lot of inappropriate humor, that helped too.
0: <laughs> inappropriate humor can be fantastic.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah. And like, oh, somebody probably shouldn't have listened to that conversation. But no, it, I mean, just understanding what the foundation is and the foundation is, saving your kiddo's life. You know, nobody goes into this thinking my child could be one of the statistics, but it can happen. And, and the goal is whatever I have to do to save your life. That is my job. And that's what we're going to do until you can do it for yourself.
0: In that, that, that's a great segue to my next, the thing I was thinking about this next question around, school, right? A lot of times there's this tension, like it's common for parents to worry about their, their child or their young adult keeping up with school while they're in treatment. So on one hand, they're like, exactly as you're saying, trying to, you know, battle this life threatening illness. On the other hand, they're a little worried about keeping up with school because that's important too. And can you share how your family navigated school during the time of treatment? So we were,
1: we were able to go to treatment over the summer, and of course you have no idea how long treatment is going to be, you know, there's, you walk in, you're like, how long am I going to be there? And they're like, you know, let's talk next week. So one of the things that all of the treatment centers do that I, I, as a, as a parent with high achieving kiddos that, you know, are are focused on their education, they basically said, if school starts and you're here, we will work with your school. And Private schools, public schools, they all have a responsibility to the kiddo to work with where the child is. I've had people that I've known that are like, but my child might miss seventh grade or my child might miss their junior year. Like, but your child will be alive to either do it again or, you know, do a homeschool program or an online program. And I can probably speak better. I have a friend whose daughter went in her junior year, didn't miss a class. Didn't miss the grades, didn't miss a test because it's still a priority, but it's something that can be balanced. And if you're having a bad day, you can get to it later. You know, every everyone wants their child to hit those marks when they're supposed to hit those marks and graduate with whatever graduating class. But I think COVID also kind of taught us that things can change and we can work around that. So we were fortunate that when, when we did come back and we still had our, our IOP that we were managing once we came home, our school was very, very helpful in how many free periods do you need and what days of the week and what times to be able to have our appointments. And, you know, for, for a school, it's advantageous for them to say, Hey, we support these kiddos, their mental health. Their their journeys, you know, if if my child was in a hospital bed, they would figure out a way to get the the school work to them. So it was no different. I mean, it, we were very, very fortunate, but I also have not heard any horror stories of schools not being supportive. So it's more the parents going, but I don't want my kid to miss this and I and and yes, I agreed. And what's more important, your child being there for field day on, you know, in seventh grade or your child being there in eighth grade. My daughter was actually still in treatment when school started and we were able to get a a pass to travel home so she could be at the first day of school. So she was at the first day of school and then we first and second day and then we went back up. Well, nobody noticed she wasn't there you know, everybody's so kind of concerned with them, their own selves that they don't really pay attention. So I think for a parent, it's more, is my kid going to be mad at me because they're missing school? Is my child going to miss out on something socially very important? But the reality is your child's not healthy enough mentally and or physically to do those things. So it's not a it's a big deal, but it's not, because your kiddo will get where they need to be and and be better for that.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that's a it's a great point that it's it is it's it it's some it's an illustration too of how the sort of stigma around mental illness comes in. That if if that was a quote unquote physical illness, parents wouldn't have probably the same response to it, and so we yeah. see that stigma steepen and. Uh, into that sort of environment that, that we're all in. If your child was right-handed and they broke their right hand, right. nobody would expect them to write all their tests.
1: They'd right. figure out a way around it. Yep. So different. I mean, it, it's different, but it, it's you can figure out a way around it.
0: Yeah. And it's it's okay. It's it's an illness and we're going to treat it as such and we're going to make sure you get what you need. Absolutely.
1: Well, I will also say that um, my daughter had taken you know, a PSAT or something in- ninth grade when she was pretty sick and then took, you know, an SAT a couple years later. And her, her counselor, her college counselor was like, what happened? Like there's this huge difference between, and she looked at him, she goes, I was sick. I started eating. My brain got what it needed. This is what happens. I mean, it was just this. So, you know, I mean, From an academic point, you're almost, it's almost not fair to push the kiddo until they're capable.
0: Yeah. So that's awesome. But she was like, here, look at this. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? 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 Speaking of support, let's pivot to, to you and your family. What strategies did you employ to take care of yourself? How, you know, how did you balance supporting your, you know, taking care of your kiddo with taking care of your emotional health? During the whole thing? Not well. Um, honestly, that
1: like of all these questions, that was the one that kind of made me go, oh, wait a minute. You know, that uh, and, and, you know, they talk about your, the, how to, how to be supportive of your kiddo, bath, bath time and journaling and all of that. I did, I did journal. I journaled a lot. I have since burned the journals because I don't think it would be nice for anybody to read any of those thoughts. So I, I don't think that we as a family gave ourselves kind of that permission to step away and you know lose it or step away and not have to worry about what what was on a plate when we sat down to dinner you know we we i think we did a a pretty good job of supporting each of our kids where they needed to be we didn't want our other daughter always feeling like it was all about you know this but i don't i don't think we really gave ourselves the opportunity to say okay hold on this is a lot and we deserve a timeout you know we are very very aware and very supportive of our of our daughter's need for that but not necessarily ours i i did you know have a few other ed mommies that you know i would i would go out for breakfast with and we would just it was such a safe space to be able to just say and feel and and process everything without you know because you say that to one of your other friends who has no idea what you're really going through and they're like okay um but you know another another ed mom is or, or parent is really so I, that was probably a saving grace but i would knowing what i know now take that that hour and and do what you need to be able to recharge so that you still have something left for everybody else. And, and know that, I mean, it's, it's so tough on your kid. It's tough on your, your partner. It's tough on the whole family, but you know, as, as kind of that default parent, it, it is a lot. Um, you know, if, if you're going to do nothing else, journal, just be, be, <laughs> Um, be mindful of, of, you know, where that journal ever ends up. It's, um, you know, maybe, maybe the treatment centers should take them all so you can read that everybody else is going through similar things without, you know, names blacked out and things like that. But yeah, it's uh, finding, you know, finding support groups can be difficult because sometimes you, you just don't have the energy for, for them as well as you, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that the right answer is other than making sure that you have somebody that that can be there to at least not judge and hear you.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like a balance, too, of people who who really understand and then also a place to have support and, and do things for yourself that are just normal, that don't have anything to do with your kid's eating disorder, that are just things right. you like to do, that are, that are things that, you know, you, you'd like to do before that were soothing before to really, it's tough to balance that. But I know we right. try to remind parents that a lot, that it's really great to have support. And it's also really wonderful to have, you know, a couple hours a week where you just don't talk about the eating disorder. It's kind of back to the other part of your life. That's right. Well, and it is tricky because, you know, if, it if, if fitness has been important
1: to you, And then it becomes triggering to your kiddo. You, you do struggle with how can I have my needs met there while not setting her off. And it's, it's something that I think you also have to kind of pros and cons and is it worth it? And, you know, they say to challenge your child, but then there's also other points that you're like, okay, that's not, I'm not ready for that right now. You don't want to keep things from your family but you also need to be able to find your your space absolutely
0: so, absolutely tell us about when when or how you started to recognize signs of healing so you've gone through all of this incredible journey and what did those first rays of sunlight look like feel like tell us a little bit about that
1: i remember somebody telling me you won't know it when it's happening But looking back, you'll be like, oh. So, our daughter came home sophomore year of high school, and we continued with a a pretty intense IOP. And then, you know, going into junior year, there's also a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And when she came home with with the IOP, we were constantly, I mean, I had lunch with her every day at school. She had a, a really sweet boyfriend at the time who was very supportive as well and would have lunch. And, you know, everybody just kind of rallied. And then, you start kind of unwinding and, you know, I'm not going to have lunch every day or, you know, I'm not going to have lunch this week, but I still want you to feel accountable. So I need you to send me a video while you're eating so that I know that you didn't not. And and you just kind of have these little stair steps. I think for us, when she started driving, that was really tricky because all of a sudden you're like, okay, I have nothing. And then into senior year, you start talking about, you know, what are your plans after school? And she wanted to go all the way to, to college. And yes, this is great. And then you're also like, okay, wait a minute. There's all these stressors. And, and, you know, you're in this nice little bubble where there are stressors and there are triggers, but it's it's safe. We've we've created this this nice little nest and this village and community that works. And then you realize okay, they have to take all of the skills. I mean, all of the skills outside of you and see what they do. And she went away to college and it was, there were some lapses. I mean, you know, we were thinking, here we are, we're three years. We should be, we should be good. And there were lapses and you can't, you know, obviously once they're over 18, you, you have very different responsibilities as, as a parent. And all you can really say is, hey, how you doing? And that's when I think we started actually seeing recovery, which sounds very ironic to say we saw recovery in a lapse. But we saw these signs that she was like, okay, this, is, this isn't working for me. I need to do something different. Okay. Like instead of us saying you need to do something different, so she ended up coming back home and kind of announcing, OK, these are the things that that I need to be aware of. And I just can't I can't get away from my exchanges yet. I can't get away from my my routine. I, I still need that. So after being being home and then starting school locally, it was those moments that she would wake up and just do what she needed to do. You know, everything wasn't meticulous and it wasn't planned out. There was there was flexibility. And I actually, last summer, I, I took a project, so I was gone a lot. And I think for me, that's when I really, really noticed that recovery is I didn't get panic texts or phone calls. I didn't get the Oh my gosh, what do I do? Or this is difficult. It was just, you know what? I had a I had a really long day or I had a tough day. Tomorrow, tomorrow's a better day. And then you stop. I don't know that you stop, but you're less aware of how exercise affects you. You're less aware of how food affects you. You're you're able to say, I'm hungry. I'm gonna get something to eat. I didn't feel good after that. Okay. It, instead of it being this spiral out of control, it it was those moments of sounds silly, but it was those moments of normal that you make considerations. It's it's the ability for her to say, you know what, I'm about twenty minutes from being hangry, so we need to go get something to eat. Otherwise, I'm going to make everybody's lives difficult, and 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 it works. So I, you know, I I think. Actually, she and I were chatting about two months ago and she said, You know, when somebody told me that I wouldn't think about my eating disorder every day, all day, I thought they were crazy. She's like, I have days, it doesn't even cross my mind. And that, that is kind of what you've heard about, but don't realize it's possible. And then when you, when you hear your child say, I don't think about it all the time. You're like, okay, like we've, we've got this, we can do this. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know that recovery happens in a certain amount of time or, uh, uh, but I I feel like my daughter can look at herself and say, I am the best version of who I am supposed to be based on who I want to be not anybody else's expectations or society's version of what makes me, me. So yeah, kind of there.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. We're all in tears here. If you're listening to this podcast, you can't see that, but know that we are. Wait, I think it's so, it's so beautiful to, to really hear that after everything else that you went through, that your daughter went through, that, that your family went through and to really know that's, that's out there. That's out there waiting for people. It really is. Which really brings me to to my last question for you. And it's a question we ask everybody who has had an experience with a eating disorder, either as a supporter or as a person themselves. What advice would you give to other parents supporting a child through an eating disorder right now? They might be listening, thinking like, oh, that's, you know, that sounds great, Aaronson. I really want that for my kid too. I have no idea that that's going to happen. Like, I imagine right. you were there at one point. So, what would you say to that that person listening right now?
1: I would. I would say to that person, "I hear you, and and exactly. I was. I was you going, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great, fantastic. Thanks for coming back and talking to us and telling us that there's hope and blah blah blah, and basically shut them down. I would say to that person, "It's. It is the hardest thing you'll ever do. It will always be part of who you are." You know your child may not think about it all the time, but you do. You know you you see a behavior and you're like, oh, is it back? And you're like, oh nope, never mind. Okay, you know she just hiccups kind of thing. You know it's, but I would say that there's no one path for anybody. I mean, I have I have a friend whose daughter was was with us at treatment, and her daughter's an adult and still working through her recovery. So you know I. I would say, depending on where you are in, in your, your journey, if you're trying to do it on your own, I applaud you and treatment is not a punishment. Treatment is a gift and it is something that, you know, I had gone into going, oh my gosh, I don't want her to have to do this. And then I changed my thought process to my daughter gets to do this. She gets to recover. I would tell somebody to find a support system, find another, you know, when your kiddo's little, you find a parent who has an older child so that they can kind of say, hey, you'll get through the terrible twos. And then four is amazing. So I would, I would suggest that they really try to find somebody who's a step ahead and just not, not take on that person's, Responsive, but just have somebody that can say, you'll get there and it's, it's okay. I would definitely say stick with your, your therapy and constantly, constantly try to learn how to support your kiddo while understanding that it, that it changes, but I mean, don't give up. I hate to say, trust the process because there is no process, but trust that You are doing the best that you can and use the resources that are available. You know, really reach out to the people who love and support you. And just if you're having a bad day, have a bad day and know that, you know, this this is not the goal is this is not supposed to be your forever. And there's also something difficult is your child has the most amazing thing in the world and also the worst thing in the world, and that's free will. Your your kiddo is going to do what they're going to do regardless of your wisdom. So doing your best to understand that you have done your best and supporting them is going to look different, but they also have to want to get better. You can't want them to get better enough for both of you. So it's, I would just say, don't, don't give up. I mean, it sounds trite, but do what you got to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So well said. Aronson, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for spending time with us and for giving this gift out into the world. We really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for, for offering this for, for those of us, you know, who don't know what we don't know and, and are looking for, the resource and the understanding and, and answers to questions that
0: have no answers. So thank you for that. You're welcome. If you enjoyed today's episode of Piecemeal, please subscribe, rate, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Learn more about us at emilyprogram.com and veritascollaborative.com or search Emily Program and Veritas Collaborative on social media. Piecemeal is produced by Angie Mitchell and Nancy Linden with music by Dan Forkey. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening.